You're listening to Actors with Issues with Juaniala, a podcast of actors, by actors, and for actors. Today's guest is a writer, director, and actor of stage and screen. You've seen in everything from Masters of Sex, Marvel's Iron Fist, and The Bold and the Beautiful. His co-written and co-directed horror comedy Summoning Sylvia to the Broadway productions of Spring Awakening, Waitress, and currently starring alongside Sean Hayes in Goodnight Oscar. Please welcome to the stage, Alex Wise. Alex, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So let's go back to the beginning. So were you one of those like wildly imaginative kids growing up who always knew performing was inherently in you or did that come a bit later for you? No, I think I was, I've always been exactly the same. Um, And from the time I was like a little kid, I was, um, you know, climbing in cardboard boxes and making them into puppet feeders. And, you know, I I was always just so in love with anything that felt theatrical and anything Mm -hmm. that felt like a way to tell a story or a way to you know, my parents tell me that I was uh, humming before I was uh, speaking. So <laughs> <laughs> they do a solid impression of me. It's really a sick burn. So um, anyway, yeah, I've always kind of been a uh, a kid who loved the arts. And I guess I still am. I'm just an elderly kid now. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just elderly kids. That's <laughs> yeah, true. And uh, did you sort of along that journey throughout school did you know you wanted to do it as a career on a professional level or how did how did all that come to be yeah I I I knew I think I was afraid to to admit it because I think I felt a lot of very well-meaning but sensible voices around me saying things like well have your fallback (laughs) plan or what do you really want to do you know um but I think I always knew that I needed to be involved somehow. There was a time, though, I thought, okay, well, I know performing is really hard. Maybe I can be a scenic designer or something. Because I was really into visual art, too, when I was uh, always drawing and painting. And and so I thought maybe that was a way to incorporate all of my loves together. But but I decided to do the easy thing and become a performer. Um, easy thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was sarcasm. Um, yeah, you know, I always knew. And so I... I uh, applied to uh, a bunch of theater schools and I ended up going to Boston University and I studied acting and theater arts and uh, yeah, yeah, here I am. And sort of along the way, um, you know, we always have these sort of peaks and valleys, ups and downs. We're booking and we're on a high and then there's like a lull for a while. Was there ever a point that you sort of thought like, okay, I gave it a try. It's time to stop. Or did you know, like you have to keep trudging on? No, I mean, I, I definitely had times where I, I've had many times where there's been a lull, but my life has felt like uh, learning how to survive that lull as mm-hmm. opposed to saying, well, I tried it and now I'm going to do something else because there's no question in my body and my spirit that I am meant to do this thing and I have to fight to do it, even if it means getting through those hard times. In fact, getting through those hard times makes me into a better, more resilient artist who has more stories to tell. So, uh, so yeah, I've never thought that I uh, should stop. I've only thought, how do I survive this period of time in order to get to the next thing that I'm going to do? And, you know, given the name of our show being Actors with Issues, um, we always ask our guests sort of like if any hurdles or obstacles come to mind that you've overcome or maybe are still dealing with that you can shed some light on for our audience? Oh gosh. Yes. I mean, <laughs> what is right? there to talk about? I feel 
You know, it's funny. I was thinking, you know, leading up to this interview, I was like, okay, I know he's going to ask me what are my issues. And, and so <laughs> I've been thinking in this morning and I was just like, oh, I don't know. It just made me tired to try to think of my issues. But, okay. <laughs> let's see. Um, I mean, you know, I, I've always been somebody who's really struggled with self-esteem, with feeling like, well, I'm not, I'm not good looking enough. I'm not one of these models who is an actor. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. one of these people who shines on a red carpet and you know that's just not that's not what I do that's not the kind of actor that I am and so I've thought well it's been hard for me to figure out ways to uh still let myself shine and express and not feel like when there's a camera I have to hide you know I have to like hide parts of myself or like oh make sure they get that angle that's the good angle um I think I've really been in my head over the years about feeling like I'm really like not, you know, I, and I don't want to sound too uh, down on myself because l- listen, I'm fine, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I think uh, I, I've felt uh, I've, I've, I've tried, I felt like the industry was telling me that I should be a certain kind of thing. And uh, it's taking me, it's taking me and has taken me a long time to learn that I'm just supposed to be myself. You know, another, another version of that is that I uh, have gotten all these cues over the years that like, Oh, I'm supposed to be straighter and I have to drop my voice and I have to like, you know, kind of butch it up in order to get these roles. But the only thing that's ever done for me is hindered me and prevented me from uh, finding the kind of work that I want to be doing. Um, like a specific example, I, I realize I'm still talking. Um, you can't interrupt me at any point. <laughs> it's a podcast. I welcome the ramble and the tangent. That's it's, you know, I don't want a five Great. minute show by all means. <laughs> and I just, I just check in. I just check in. Um, okay. When I was on uh, uh, the Bold and the Beautiful, um, I was on that show for a year and I had a pretty good part. And they were they were setting me up on that show as someone who was a potential love interest for um, a, a a woman who I was in scenes with. And the story could have gone that way, but I was getting all these like very cruel um, tweets and uh, things from people Mm -hmm. saying like, we, I call BS, you're, you know, you're gay. We all know you're gay. Like as if it's a bad thing or something, or as if straight people can only act in one way, Um, or as if they found me out or something, you know, like I'm not, I'm not closeted. I I have no uh, issues with my sexuality. I love I love being a gay person. It is truly awesome. And um and I don't want to be different. But this show and 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 my experience there and feeling like that was such a heteronormative world. Um and the reaction of the fans who were buying into this heteronormative world um made me feel like I had to be different in order to fit into that, in order to sell the illusion that I could ever be with a woman. So I started making my voice lower and I started trying to, you know, oh, well, don't move my head too much. Don't, And it just turned me into some kind of like robot or something. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was not. It just prevented me from delivering a good performance and from delivering a lived in performance and also from being my authentic self, bringing my authenticity to this character. And then the character would feel authentic because I'd bring those parts of me to him and and it was just putting up walls between me and expressing. 
So I've been working really hard over the years to try to own who I am and be proud of who I am and not worry about the fact that maybe I'm too gay for this role or, you know, you know what? There've been a lot of roles that I'm not gay enough to play. Always <laughs> you know, happens. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, everybody has a different idea of what that means. And so the only thing that I can do is keep embracing who I am, keep reminding myself that I do deserve to be on camera, even though I'm not a runway model and, uh, and like, I don't have like a six pack or something, you know, like who needs a six pack? I guess fine. Um, (laughs) so anyway, that's kind of my diatribe on, um, uh, self-esteem and, uh, trying to find ways to feel more confident about who I am and not listen to those voices who tell me that I am not enough. Cause like, I'm great. And I need to, believe that so maybe maybe in saying all of that in my in my endless monologue i just gave maybe, maybe that can help somebody out there who's feeling like oh gosh am i hot enough to be an actor am i are, are there parts for me well i think the more you are who you are then the more you attract the people who see the greatness in you another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it's interesting when we sort of look at the broad scope of film and television and theater, you know, there are those like very sort of um, conventionally attractive people in the leading roles. But you think, well, there's one leading role or two leading roles in each project and dozens of supporting roles. There's more work for those of us who are normal looking, you know, or or New York looking, because I feel like a cop show that films in New York versus a cop show that films in L.A., two very different looking casts, very, even the network, different. the CW versus, you know, CBS, two very different looking groups of people, even though they're the same company. I frequent the uh, subreddit for acting and there's lots of young actors on there who always ask advice like, you know, um, I'm not comfortable with kissing scenes or whatever. I'm like, well, how often, when's the last time you saw like a kissing scene on network television? They don't have those. Like there's just, it, there's all these like little things that we sort of tend to, focus on like um like you said like appearance like sort of aesthetic and things like that and it's like well it's so ingrained in us because this industry is is so has been so much like um I mean we still see in the casting breakdowns the word aspirational is used a lot it's like just say what you mean yeah that's <laughs> interesting aspirational I mean, no, body I'm like mm, for yeah. who <laughs> Maybe I aspire to this body. How about that? Right. <laughs> um, and also that that point you made about uh, an actor saying, well, you know, I can't be an actor because of a, uh, I can't do a kissing scene. That's fine. You don't have to do a kissing scene. But I mean, I've been on 
many television shows at this point. I've never been asked to kiss anybody, which by the way is a separate issue, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but, but like, that's, that's not, I, I just, I think that people, um, like you said, focus on this one little thing and then use it as a sort of excuse to not make themselves vulnerable, to not um, do the harder thing, which is try, take that step into the fire and just try. And uh, fast forwarding to now with Goodnight Oscar, firstly, amazing show, amazing performances all around. I was just completely locked in from beginning to end. It was such a great show. But like- Thank you. With period pieces like that, I find it so interesting because it's like it's not nece- it's not necessarily like really the transatlantic sort of time period of of the U.S., but there's still this particular cadence. It reminds me a lot of of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which you've also worked on, um, and sort of that cadence everyone has in that time period. So was that a challenge for you, or were you just sort of like game to to dive right in? I think it's uh, for me personally, it wasn't a challenge because I've done actually a lot of projects that happened in the 50s and the 40s. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about me that feels kind of old timey. I think it's sort <laughs> of my uh, Midwestern politeness, you know, mm-hmm. I think that can be easily uh easily put into a time period that has a lot of manners around it, around it. Um, so so it wasn't a particular challenge for me um but i think in general um that is a very specific thing and can be quite challenging for people but i think that's why you have uh like we we had we we talked a lot about the time period okay how do how do men and women sit how are they supposed to sit in this time period and what do you, what what did they typically do with their hands or you know what where where did that all go and we mm-hmm. paid attention to those things we um uh, we would watch old movies and and see uh, the the cadences, uh, listen to for the cadences and see the kinds of behaviors that they had. Um, I have done quite a bit of that in the fifties and 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 onward, and so uh, and so I think it's just something I'm kind of used to at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun. I love I love leaning into that old Hollywood world. I think it's so there's something that can be. Yes, there's really like obviously like a really dark terrible side to the sort of oppression of the 50s obviously um but uh but there's something that feels kind of magical um surface level magical about it to me um the kind of uh i don't know the kind of flowery descriptive language and the sort of uh the way that you you the silverware you go from the outside in that's in every movie by the way about a time yeah. period you, that you find that line in every single movie about a time yeah. period and it's like you know there's always one character it's titanic is like you know it's like well what do i do and then molly brown is like just start from the outside and work your way in that is in like 50 movies that i've seen yeah. so I'm, I'm just saying um okay uh anyway <laughs> it was fun doing a show in, in in this time period it's fun it's just fun and i get to wear like cute clothes so it's cool yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that with every role we take on, whether it's like a two line co-star or a lead in a in a project, there's always something to be learned. So what would you say was the biggest lesson you've learned working on Goodnight Oscar? Um, You know, what? I mean, I could go back to this whole self-esteem thing again. I, I really took a, a whole a whole beating in that in that area of my life, especially in the pandemic. And uh, mm. 
and in the past couple of years, and I was about a year ago, I was in a very low place. And, uh, and, and this show has come along in a way that has uh, inspired me to believe in myself again and to act alongside people I really love and respect. And I've just learned a lot from being in a state of focus and play with these people who are masters of it. And so bringing myself submitting, basically submitting to this world and to, uh, and to the, the creative people I have around me has uh, helped me sort of rebuild uh, some things that got pretty broken in some ways over the last few years. So I'm, I'm really thankful for it. It came, this show came for me right when I needed it. Um, right when I think I was ready to start standing up again and putting pieces back together. And uh, I I, forget, I meant to ask this earlier, but um, with Goodnight Oscar, were you involved in the Chicago production or was the Broadway production the first time you did the show? That was the first time I did the show. It's actually a really uh, fun story that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so when I was on uh, Maisel, which was, I guess it was about a year ago now, I think, um, I was there on the set with, uh, with Emily Burgle, who's in Goodnight Oscar, and Ethan Slater, who had just done the Chicago run of Goodnight Oscar. Mm -hmm. And so the three of us were hanging out the whole day and they were telling me about this wonderful play that they just did. And I was like, awesome, guys. I'm so psyched for you, you know, but I was like inexplicably in this little Goodnight Oscar circle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then Ethan, um, he got Bach in the Wicked movie, which is so awesome and and deserve it and 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 when i found out that happened i thought oh my gosh maybe there was a reason that they were telling me about this show maybe there maybe maybe i don't know i was just sort of looking for those connections in the world that and this felt like one and so within within moments of even realizing that this role was suddenly available i got an audition for it i think within an hour of me putting the pieces together because I was like, huh, shit, what's, what's happening. And then I got this audition and I knew in that moment, I was like, this is, I'm going to get this part. Mm. I just, I just knew, I just knew it's something, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, something just kind of beamed down to me and was like, this is the path. This is the path. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. And it's time for me to start believing in myself, believing that I can do this, believing I'm good enough to do this. And, and so I did everything I could to bring my best self to this. And I auditioned for like two months and finally it, it oh. happened. It was one of the most emotional phone calls I've ever had. Yeah. I think I, I, it was such a long build. It was two months of auditions. I mean, the buildup was long and the, and the, 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 um, the dream within me for this particular show was strong. <laughs> it had been built up and I was like, this, this is it. I think this is it. And when it happened, I just sobbed. I think I fell to the floor. My agent called and I think I fell to the floor. I just couldn't. Oh my God. Look at my buzzer. Something's here. A package. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to, um, <laughs> it's, it's another sign. Um, okay. So that's kind of my little story about getting good night Oscar. And I was um, just, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so mm -hmm. thankful it came into my life. It's been awesome. Um, I'm such a fan of, of Sean's podcast. Um, Smartless. Oh God, fantastic. I was just listening to their uh, interview with Matthew Reese this morning. And um, 
he's talked about it for so long. And I was like, oh my, and when he announced it was going to be on Broadway, I was like, oh my God, like this, you know, just, I feel like I've sort of followed the journey from like, yeah, I'm in rehearsals for this play I'm doing in Chicago. And then we're doing it in Chicago and now it's on Broadway and now Tony nomination. Like, that's so awesome. Isn't that so cool to get that kind of glimpse into that process too, through Smartless? I mean, Smartless on its own is a thrilling podcast. It feels like hanging out with old friends and but then to get this sort of, I, I started listening to it once I got the job. I was like, oh, he has that podcast. I should, I guess I should listen to it. So I yeah. listened to it every day yeah. for a few months. And uh, and I just loved, I loved getting these little breadcrumbs into that, uh, into that whole experience for Sean. It was really cool. And uh, one question we get a lot from our um, listeners, uh, especially sort of like young actors, uh, they're fresh out of school and not all colleges and universities and acting programs have these sort of showcases so they sort of finish school and they're just sent out into the world and they don't really know how to get the ball rolling besides going to like cattle calls very early in the morning and things like that Um, but for any young actors who feel sort of stuck because they can't get that first agent or first manager who can get that ball rolling uh, what advice do you have for them? I think what the best thing that I've ever done for myself is, is create my own work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always given me a sense of purpose and it's, and it's made me feel like I have a reason to get out of bed in the morning and, uh, and it's helped me develop communities and given me friends and uh, amazing um, artistic experiences that I didn't have to wait for uh, permission for, and and mm. so and so I I would I know this is not really answering the question that you just asked but I guess what I'm trying to say is every time that I've done my own thing and made my own work um, I have not cared about whether or not my agent is calling me or not mm. it's it's just been like oh great they can call me if they want or don't call me if they want whatever I have I have a play to write today yeah and so. And, and also then once you make your own stuff, then that can lead you toward um, the kind of representation that you're looking for. Um, it's it's often hard to find that. I mean, I think especially today, um, it was easier when I started and things have only gotten exponentially harder. So I, I have a lot of respect for anybody who's trying to make that stuff happen right now. Um, I know it's not easy, uh, but I would just encourage you to keep saying yes to yourself make your own stuff find someone who inspires you and you want to collaborate with them and maybe you can write a song together or write a play together or make a short film or something i mean that's sort of what i've that's that's what i've been doing over the years and it's gotten bigger and bigger and and i've gotten to make my feature film with wes taylor we made summoning sylvia which you can rent now and uh but every time i'm making stuff who cares if someone else is calling me or not? Cause I'm, I'm calling me. Um, I was actually going to ask about summoning Sylvia cause a, a friend of the show, Troy Wada was in it. Oh, um, okay. He's, he's come on the show many times, such a sweetheart. Um, and yeah, your experience sort of uh, co-writing, co-directing, getting this project off the ground that now the masses can see um, that had a theatrical run like that, that in and of itself is so hard to get done, you know? So what was that whole experience like getting the, getting the film off the ground? I mean, the experience of making that film was a three-year experience. So within it contains many chapters. Um, but I can tell you it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, 
and uh, and and a lot of people. I, I guess what might be useful to your listeners is that a lot of people said no to us. A lot of people said, "I'm not giving you a dime. I'm not interested in this. You've never made anything before. I don't trust that you can do this." Mm-hmm. And what Wes and I did was, we didn't listen to them. We didn't care. We said, "Okay, you said no." Well, someone else will say yes, and we kept going. We just kept going and kept asking people for their financial support or their artistic support or whatever that is. And eventually we found some people who let us make the thing. Um, Now within that, there are so many challenges and there's so many great adventures and uh, so many things that I learned. And, uh, you know, it was cool in making film. What I love so much is that it being a director I get to wear every single creative hat that I've developed through my life. Like uh, when I was a kid and I wanted to be a magician, because of course I wanted to be a magician because I was awesome. Um, But I can use those skills in creating summoning Sylvia. I can, I can think about, Oh, how can we create something that sort of tricks viewers into thinking this and, and we can hide this over here that makes it seem like that, uh, whatever it is. Um, and I get to be a painter in composing these shots. And and I get to be a composer in, in the music of the lines, even. Not to mention the music of the music written by someone else. But I got to direct him to write the kind of music that would best tell that story. And, and of course, being an actor, you know, helping people deliver their most authentic uh uh authentic uh lines there you go i can't think of a word um so much for being a writer right uh, <laughs> um but it was, it was so cool getting to uh and with and with alongside wes not having to do it alone but creating mm. collaboration um that we got to wear all of the hats and do all of the creative things that uh really um made us feel very um purposeful in the world and um very tired in the world too (laughs) we're really proud that we got to the end and we made something that i hope people i think people are connecting to you know we've gotten good reviews and people seem to like it and and it's a great story about friends and and uh queerness and it's spooky and it's silly and so you know um, I'm proud of summoning Sylvia and I'm excited to use all the things that we learned to make our next movie. That's mm. really what I'm excited for because gosh, you, you don't, you don't know things until you, until they happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do you deal with your set flooding? You know, it, oh, it, I went, and that was, that was one of the easy days, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> it felt like, um, but no one gives you the rule book for how to deal with something like that. You just kind of have to, figure it out and learn how to step up each day and be a leader and learn how to inspire people and learn how to hold yourself up. And it's hard, so hard, yeah. but uh, we did it. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a funny, just, I, I just love these sort of like campy and it's like, it's a movie that like, we haven't seen anything like it before, like a, uh, a queer horror comedy. It's not really out there. It's not exactly like a, uh, you know, a, a plentiful sort of subgenre of of horror is like, oh, it's also a comedy and it's a fully queer cast and creative team and, and all of that. You know, it's it was such such a job well done. And so congrats on on something, Sylvia, and on 
good night, Oscar, and and just everything that that's come your way. It's just I'm so excited to see what's next for you. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me here. It's been really cool to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we go, for anyone who wants to give you a follow on social media, where can they find you? Oh, sure. I mean, if you want to, it's a waste of a follow. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just have an Instagram. It's at Alex J. Wise. And, and folks, you can see Goodnight Oscar at the Belasco Theater in New York City on Broadway right now. And thank you so much for tuning in. And be sure to catch us next time on Actors with Issues. All right. Glad to have issues with you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Actors with Issues on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit our YouTube channel for full video interviews. Actors with Issues is executive produced and hosted by Hwani Ala. See you next time.